Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco Sunday Morning Worship Service Podcast. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org. While you're there, check out our monthly newsletter, Weekly Flame, and much, much more.
Good morning. Thank you for being with us this morning. We come with full hearts and deep feelings and we want to invite you into this sacred space this morning. If it's your first time here today, welcome. We're so glad to have you with us. You'll find a link to the order of service on our YouTube page. Please click on it and follow along with us. Worship is a collective effort and we are Delighted, thrilled, and honored to have our musicians, Brielle, Michelle, and Mifwa with us today, to have our worship associate, Richard Davis Lowell, our tech support, Jonathan Silk and Eric Shackelford and Joe Chapeau, and of course, our uh, grand sexton, Rob. We're delighted to have them with us this morning, and thank you for being with us. We're gonna light our candle this morning as we gather together in worship. Bringing our hearts here into this space. Join us now for our opening hymn, Morning Has Broken. chalice lighting printed in your bulletin. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. We have a number of invitations for you this morning. First, we want to let you know that you can sign up for our weekly and monthly online newsletters, our weekly bulletin, The Flame, and our monthly newsletter, First News. You can find information about that in the order of service and on our website. They're the best way to keep up to date with what's happening in the church, and we hope you'll join us after the service for our virtual coffee hour. 
This Wednesday, June 3rd, we'll hold a Zoom conference for, to share ideas and opportunities for how our congregation to, can engage in the work of environmental justice. This is open to everyone, and we hope you'll join the conversation. Again, you'll find in the order of service information and how to uh, receive the Zoom link to be with us in conversation. We have a number of adult spiritual growth offerings. We continue with our monthly, our weekly Monday spiritual practice, uh, welcoming the day with Reverends Mar Margot Campbell Gross and John Burens that meets on Mondays from eight to nine. Elena Perez is continuing with her meta meditation. There, there is an adjustment in her schedule. Uh, the gatherings will happen on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays from eight to 8.30 a.m. Reverend Vanessa will be holding two poetry gatherings this month, or next, starting tomorrow in June, June 4th and 11th, and you'll find information about registering in the order of service. And I'll be leading a three-week writing and reflection group called Write To It, which will include writing activities and weekly sharing on Zoom on the 13th, 20th, and 27th. And our small group ministries will begin in June. These are groups of six to 10 people who are with a facilitator meeting once a month to share and build connection. Information for all of these can be found in the order of service, in the flame and on our website. Our board of trustees wants to remind you that the vote for our 2021 budget is scheduled for June 7th. Members must register to attend the meeting and our annual meeting will then follow on June 14th following the service. Again, members must pre-register for both events. We wanna thank everyone again for your submitting your pledges. We are now 97% to meeting our goal. And again, we understand that these are difficult times and you may need to adjust your pledge if you haven't pledged and you're able to, we invite you to hit the pledge button on our website and that will take you to the link to add your pledge to this year's annual fund drive. Finally, after the service today from 12.15 to one on our church steps, there will be a protest to honor and remember George Floyd and the many brothers and sisters taken from us by racism, police violence, and murder. This protest will practice physical distancing, bring a mask and gloves, bring a sign. Sign-making materials will be available. Even if you aren't able to join us here, we know we will feel your presence with us. This concludes our announcements. I invite you now to join us in our breathing meditation. When I breathe in, I breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe in, when I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I breathe out, I breathe out love. When I breathe in, I breathe in, I breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I breathe out.
Please join me in our spoken covenant followed by our doxology, both in your order of service. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom, and to help one another. Recognizing there is human suffering all over this world in the course of natural and human catastrophes, we ring our gong today to remember these places of suffering and struggle. We ring our gong as we have since last July in honor of the seven children who lost their lives in federal custody in our detention camps. We ring it for the adults who lost their lives in these camps, those who remain in such camps, many separated from their families, and many now infected by COVID-19 or at great risk of infection. We also recognize those who wait in makeshift refugee camps at our borders awaiting asylum hearing. We ring our gong for the losses to the virus, to date 350,000 worldwide, and recognize that communities of color suffer the greatest burden of this pandemic. And we hold in our hearts all who continue to risk their lives to provide essential service, all who suffer for loss of job, loss of security, and whose lives are especially vulnerable to this disease. We ring our gong for all those who live in poverty, especially the thousands on our streets. And today we ring out for George Floyd, who was murdered while in police custody this past Monday. With a knee pressed against his neck, George Floyd uttered his final words, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Several officers stood by witnessing the murder and taking no action. What is this but a judicial lynching? This immoral and heinous act demands our condemnation, and it is a call to action. Today, in our grief, we call for justice.
May we keep those who have been named, their families in our thoughts and prayers. And may we ease the tide of suffering this week, however we can. Let us join now in spoken and silent meditation. This morning's prayer is from the Reverend Dr. Howard Thurman. Open unto me light for my darkness. Open unto me courage for my fear. Open unto me hope for my despair. Open unto me peace for my turmoil. Open unto me joy for my sorrow. Open unto me strength for my weakness. Open unto me wisdom for my confusion. Open unto me forgiveness for my sins.
open on to me, love for my hate. Open on to me thyself for myself. Let us join in a time of shared silence. Amen.
Everyone should have a friend like Wallace. You may know someone like them, like this. He's the first person I met when I rediscovered my faith on the steps of our huge church in Los Angeles, handing out bulletins and fussing like we'd known each other for years. I liked him instantly. You may remember a friend like Wallace. We hung out as much as you can in LA that means driving 40 minutes to meet up somewhere for breakfast in an open-air cafe that reminded me of a beach in Mexico or an art gallery in Pasadena or most often at some church meeting. Maybe the building committee or the flower committee. You know churches always have committees. Or the building search committee. We went through one of those too. But not here. We have a beautiful building, and we're not moving anytime soon, God willing. Everyone should have a friend like Wallace. He's the one who told me his drag name was Donna. He called me Princess. Wallace and I met our future husbands at about the same time, so we could tick off the years as they went by, meeting his new partner, Dan, a piano teacher, Wallace, really, he makes no money. Sure, he works for the opera, but really? Well, at least I was honest. But love is love, and as Wallace and Dan's love grew, they became Wallace and Dan, Wallace and Dan, you know, inseparable, just the way those things go. Everyone should have a friend like Wallace. He's the one I called in the worst moment of my life. Hello, Wallace. No, no, it's not good. He's in my apartment. He moved in while I was away on a business trip. I don't, I don't know why the landlord let him in. I don't know what to do. He won't leave. Call the police. You know, I'm a six foot five black man calling the police on a short white guy. That's not gonna work. Hello, Wallace. You are not going to believe what happened when the police got here. Everyone should have a friend like Wallace. Hi, Wallace. It's me. You, you say you and Dan bought a place in Glendale? That's great. Yes, I'm moving to San Francisco to be with... Yes, he's wonderful. But we'll stay connected, right? You and Dan can come visit. What? You're getting married? Of course I'll be there. Oh, you mean in the wedding, maybe. No, of course. You couldn't keep me away. You both look so happy. What? You mean you're selling your house and moving? 
moving what where the twin cities oh yeah minneapolis st paul a house for less than two hundred thousand dollars you can retire on a teacher's pension you can do that in minnesota i guess that's great but the winters you're kidding me aren't you well we can still be friends and stay in touch right and you'll stay with us for a few days before you go you Dan, your truck filled with things, and Dottie the Boston Terrier, of course you're welcome to stay. We'll be the last people you see in California. Everyone should have a friend like Wallace. And now we can stay in touch with you and everything, but we're not in the same time zone. But I promise, Wallace, nothing will change. Hey, Wally, what's wrong? Is Dan okay? Cancer? But you just moved and you quit smoking years ago. What kind of cancer? Kidney, but it's curable. Thank God. And you're better right now. What? A different cancer? Prostrate? You've got to be kidding me. And a third brain over a year ago? Hi, Wallace. You know, you still look good on Facebook, but you sound tired. You say Dan is getting old. What about you? We're both getting old. I'm so sorry I stopped calling. I mean, life, your cancers, they scared me and my life. Well, Wallace, you sound good. Remind me of your birthday. I don't want to forget it again. January. Oh, God, we've got a whole nother year to wait. Dear Wallace, thank you for your friendship over the years. It's too precious to lose now. You know, I have an orchid that lasted at least two months and is still going strong. I finally read up on how to keep them. Don't water them too much. Don't let them stand in water. Wallace, I'll water our friendship just enough, like that orchid which reminds me of you. Everyone should have a friend like Wallace. It's time for our morning offering. We have beautiful music during our, for our offertory. Today, we graciously accept your gifts to support the ongoing ministries and work of this faith community. Placed upon the steps, a baby cries. High above, you can hear the church bells start to ring. And as the heaviness, oh, the heaviness, the body settles in, somewhere you can hear a mother sing. Then it's one foot, and then the other. As you step out on the road, step out on the road, how much weight, how much weight? Then it's how long and how far and how many times, oh, before it's too late. 
Allison chose this story because it described a particular experience of loneliness, separation, and our innate need to foster connection. In Agent of Change, we meet William Camarte, a BART station agent who finds meaning through the simple act of saying hello, in his words. Growing up, I felt like I was in a box, separated from other people. I was very shy and withdrawn, lonely, we might say. As a child, I had a speech impediment. People were engaging and moving about and living a life, and I was an observer. And I didn't feel, I didn't like that feeling. Being in a booth reminds me of that feeling. I don't want to be the person who separates themselves from life. If you're in a corner or a box, it's not necessarily because someone put you there. Sometimes it's because you've agreed to be in that box. When I see other people who may be in that situation where they feel like they don't belong, I feel responsible to show them that they do, 
I say hello. I, I give them good graces to show them that they do. As they are going out, a fist bump maybe, or a handshake, sometimes a hug. I'm not a booth troll. I stay outside. That's where the people are. Being able to look out and see the world as it is, the homeless, the hurt, the happy, the focused, the different walks of life that I engage in, it's all beautiful. Stepping forward, occupying someone else's space, and learning about that person. It's the easiest and best thing in the world. Mother cannot guide you. Now you're on your own. Only me beside you. Still you're not alone. People leave you halfway through the wood. Others may deceive you. You decide what's good. You decide alone. But no one is alone. Mother isn't here. Wrong things, right things Who knows what she'd say Who can say what's true Nothing's quite so clear Do things, fight things Till you've lost your way You decide what's good You are not alone Believe me No one is alone Believe me Truly You move just a finger To see the light now, 
just don't let it go. Things will come out right now. We can make it so. My original idea for this sermon was to talk about the isolation we are all experiencing due to the pandemic and our deep need for connection. In the midst of this already challenging situation, we witnessed yet another senseless murder of a black person by a white police officer. Thousands of people in Minneapolis and around the country rose up, broke their self-quarantine, and came out into the streets to express their rage and their grief. I still want to talk about loneliness and connection. This new atrocity adds to our grief, our anger, and outrage in the face of systemic inequities and brutality. Right now, we are all sheltering in place, being physically distant from each other and perhaps feeling disconnected. But this time here gives us the opportunity to reflect. We all feel abhorrence, fear, and anger when we see the continued victimization of the poor and communities of color. Perhaps we can find renewed connection, a sense of purpose, and an opportunity to serve as we recommit ourselves to living and acting our first principle to recognize and work to honor the inherent dignity and worth of every person. Apart, together. We're all feeling the stress and sense of disconnection from being shut inside our personal station booths these days, watching the world go by. We ache for the engagement to be responsive to what's happening in the world around us. What I wouldn't give for a high five or a hug from Mr. Comerty. As our country weaves and wobbles, mapping its slow comeback tour, I watch from the windows of my Bernal booth and wonder about what's been lost in this time of lockdown. The threads that help hold us close feel frayed. Right now, we need our friends like Wallace. The pervasiveness of loneliness is a real danger to our society. Debilitating loneliness makes us sick physically, emotionally, and spiritually. With all the ease of our, and speed of digital networks, we skim the surface of human interaction. But surfing only takes us so far physically separated from those who nurture and lift our spirits, we feel isolated and alone. 
And in that well of loneliness, we might struggle to connect to the sources that feed us. Time for self-reflection and self-expression. Soulful practices that help us to travel into those deep spaces of the heart and mind and body that connect us to the source of all life. To help us feel close, I want to invite you to join me in the sanctuary. No clipper card needed, but imagine yourself settled into your favorite pew. Feel the warmth of those nearby and the collective quiet and the soft hum of life around you. And if you're new, come on in. Ours is a big tent, and we want everyone to feel welcome. Now, researchers have been sounding alarms that loneliness was becoming a growing concern for the last several years. Studies show that over 20% of the population feel lonely, and that was before the pandemic. In 2018, the United Kingdom appointed a Minister of Loneliness. All signs are that loneliness is on the rise. It wasn't always so, says the historian Jill Lepore. Until a century ago, almost no one lived alone. It wasn't possible to survive without living among other people. And without being bonded to other people by ties of affection and loyalty and obligation, loneliness was a passing experience. How did modern life get so lonely? Now, it's easy to see how the Industrial Revolution and the effects of a capitalist system have left a profound and disturbing impact on the levels of loneliness and isolation in our world. Many of us have been moved or been removed from the communities that hold us close. The loneliness researcher, Dr. John Cacioppo, Cacioppo known as Dr. Loneliness, is a psychologist who has studied the evolution of loneliness, looking through the lens of history and biology. We've learned that social networking is embedded into our DNA. We need one another to survive and thrive. Neuroscientists have learned that being connected to others with a social imperative rooted in thousands of years of human evolution. Loneliness emerged as a warning signal, prompting us to attend and take care of our social circles. Strange as it seems, loneliness is what helps us know what it means to be human. It's a matter of drift. If we wander too far or too connect, disconnected from the sources that keep us connected, we feel lost. 
I remember some 30 years back leaving New England to come west, saying goodbye to my friends and my family, eager to break free. But I spent much of the time feeling lonely. Traveling in my big four-door maroon 1978 Chevy Impala, I was like a ship lost at sea. I had maps to get me where I needed to go, but I lacked an internal compass to help ground me and the courage to create community on the fly. The warning signals were there. I just didn't know how to respond to them. What I was experiencing was textbook. Loneliness arises when we feel separated. We need the bonds of love and trust that come from being part of a community, having friends like Wallace. And when feelings of loneliness run deep, they can lead to isolation, invisibility, and even depression. That pretty much sums up how I was feeling in the badlands of South Dakota. Telephone booths were far between, making it hard to phone a friend. I lacked experience and practice in being self-reflective or how to embrace my solitude. Being alone only made me feel worse. But somewhere in the wide and dry expanse of the Badlands, something opened up. I took small steps to counter my loneliness, taking enjoyment in the simple pleasures of small talk with folks I met. In the hikes and the bike rides, I discovered the true benefits of solitude, learning to open my heart and, and take the world in. The Badlands taught me valuable lessons. But the global disruption brought on by a pandemic has shown me that addressing loneliness will require us working together to stop its rising tide. In a matter of weeks and days, our world has changed and our understanding of how we connect We miss the intimacy with those with whom we share deep bonds of trust. We miss our relational gatherings with friends and companions. And we miss our collective communities who share our sense of purpose and interest. Yes, thanks to the interweb and even Zoom, not all is lost, but the bonds that are formed out of our close fellowships are sorely missed, and the impact weighs heavy, heavy on our hearts. For faith communities, the loss of person-to-person -person contact has been profound. For the most part, we only know ourselves in the company of one another, sharing pews, the potlucks, the protests, the picnics, the prayers, and the possibilities. And while we learn to rewire and are thrilled to welcome visitors into our virtual church life,
We all feel the separation, the loss, and the uncertainty of what church will look like going forward. How do we sustain the bonds of mutual support in our church community? In this time of forced isolation and heightened loneliness, anguish and pain, how do we build bridges that bring us together, which in turn can deepen our understanding of self, of spirit, of soul? Empathy, writes Dr. Vivek Murthy, is when we cultivate common interests and goals together. Connection, not hatred, is the glue that makes us feel like we all truly belong. If there ever was a time for cultivating across cultures and community, that time is now. Imagine, says Dr. Murthy, culture as a bowl in which relationships are formed. In individualized cultures, many Western cultures, the bowl is wide and of modest depth. Lots of room to move around and everyone is free to choose their path, but it's harder to find common ground. In more traditional collectivist cultures, the bowl is narrow and deep, generations living together but without much space to wander. If you don't fit in, the squeeze could send you out. In the third bowl, it is broad and deep with structures in place for interaction, opportunities for gathering and sharing and learning. Loneliness is replaced with opportunities to build bridges of trust. Our church community is that kind of third bowl. As they look out onto your faces full of yearning, of vulnerability, of love, I realize we know how to help heal the wounds of loneliness and isolation. We exist to share our stories and bear witness to one another and foster a culture that seeks to build bridges across our differences. Our work is not just to welcome the stranger, but to learn from them too, to befriend, widening and deepening this beautiful bowl that holds us all together. To counter loneliness in our culture and in ourselves, we need to extend our practice of mutuality creating spaces for the sharing of feelings, building trust over time, and offering respect. Simply, we need to deepen our relationships with one another. Dr. Murthy shared this story, which reminds me of our small group ministries and our young adults becoming together gatherings and our spiritual practices offerings. But in this story, we might imagine new ways that might bring us together. 
Serena Bayan was an engaged high school student eager to start her first year of college. Instead of finding community, she confronted a sense of deep cultural isolation. She was the only Asian American student in a predominantly Caucasian environment. She had no one she could trust or even talk to. What was missing were people who knew her from the inside out. She struggled through her first year and returned home deeply in need to reconnect with others and with herself. She spent her summer in a yoga training where she was able to open up and be vulnerable and rebuild her inner strength. And fortified, she returned to college and invited fellow sophomores, fellow sophomores, strangers really, out for coffee. She was not interested in small talk. She wanted to know if they too had experienced loneliness. It turns out she wasn't alone. Her response was to create something called space space gatherings, a space to promote deep human interaction. She invited her fellow students to come and share their stories, putting aside preconceived social expectations. The invitation, be willing to open and share honestly about how you are feeling. Space gatherings created a culture where people were safe to express and discover collective values. Through these exchanges, Serena and her fellow gatherers created a foundation of trust and understanding which opened up hearts and minds in ways never imagined. Thomas Merton wrote about the challenges of social disconnection. When we feel unknown, invisible, shrouded in a fog of loneliness, it blurs our internal mirrors and obscures our inner strength. We lose sight of our value and the sources of joy and wonder that keep us connected. At its worst, We forget to love ourselves and treat ourselves with kindness and compassion. This is why third bowl cultures are so important. They provide a container for social and spiritual bonding and discovery, both external and internal, to help us find common ground with our neighbors. To make our way forward as we can imagine and invent virtual church, we will need our shared wisdom and creativity to help create new spaces where we can foster our faith, gather to learn and grow, and discover our shared humanity. In this moment, when the brokenness and pain of our world is laid bare, we need to come together to help bring healing and hope, to stand with those who feel voiceless. 
We need one another. We are calling all angels. Let's not be alone. We are in this together and with compassion and conviction we'll make our way through. For all that is our life we sing our thanks and praise for all life is a gift which we are called to use to build the common good and make our own days glad. For needs which others serve, for services we give, for work and its rewards, for hours of rest and love, leaving, let us hold on to this. The enduring of love, the persisting of hope, and the remembering of joy, the offerings of gratitude, the receiving of grace, and the blessings of peace. Go in peace.
Thanks for listening to this podcast of the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco Sunday morning worship service. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org. While you're there, check out our monthly newsletter, Weekly Flame, and much, much more.